This morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us to our text found in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Look at 1 Samuel, found in the Old Testament, chapter 17. And we're going to be talking about the entire chapter, but we'll begin reading with verse 23. While you're turning there, let me explain what we've been doing the last few weeks in this sermon series. We're talking about the names of God. And the reason is, our Lord is so powerful, majestic, mighty, he needs many names for us to understand who he is. And so throughout the Bible, God gives to us different names he can go by. These names demonstrate his character, demonstrates his power, demonstrates how we are to uh, connect with him, and each name is important. And today we're going to be looking at a name found throughout the Old Testament, especially to remind us that we are in this world not alone, but we have a warrior with us. This chapter is a very famous story, story of David and Goliath. Let's begin reading with verse 23. As David has come upon his brothers who are in the army, and Goliath is making a challenge. Verse 23. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words, and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the king will enrich enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him, according with his words, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Eliab, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and your wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now? Was it not just a question? And then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing, and the people before him answered the same thing as before. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man heart fall, fail on account of him. Your servant will go out and fight this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. And I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose against me, I seized him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hands of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, may the Lord be with you. Jump down to verse 41. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and rooted with his handsome appearance. And 
Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistines also said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come with me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord is not delivered by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand to the bag and took it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, so that he fell on his face to the ground. And thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in David's hand. And then David ran and took over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Pray with me. Our Father, I pray today that as we look at this story that many of us are familiar with, that we can understand your name better. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who is the greatest warrior in all of history? That's a question historians debate, although most of the surveys taken by historians around the world, most of them agree on the number one answer. Most of them agree on one person. Now, think of all the warriors throughout history. You have Genghis Khan, you have Napoleon, you have Hannibal, you have Julius Caesar. But one person, the majority of historians will say the greatest warrior. He only lived a short time. He only lived for 33 years. He never lost a battle. He conquered the, the known world of that time. He conquered every major kingdom of that time period. He conquered Persia and India and Egypt. As a single fighter, he never lost a battle. As a commander, he never lost a battle. His armies loved him and would do anything for him. His name was Alexander the Great. He did something unusual in that time period. As a general, he fought on the front line. Most generals didn't do that. Most generals were in the back. But Alexander the Great was on the front line with his soldiers, and they believed that as long as Alexander the Great was with them, Leading them, they could not be conquered. Now, as great as Alexander the Great was, I submit to you there's a greater warrior. And when he is leading us and we are with him, we cannot be conquered. And that is Jehovah. And the name that J David will use here is Jehovah Saba. Now, a little, little trivia here. Sometimes you'll, you'll see it, Sabaoth. That's the Greek version of that. It means the same thing. But the Saba, T-S-A-B-A, is the Hebrew word. It's used uh, throughout the Old Testament. It's used 242 times in the Old Testament. It means host. God is the host. It is the Lord of hosts. That phrase is used 486 times. 
is the idea that our God has an unstoppable angelic army with him. He is our warrior. He is the one that we are to follow. He is the one that if we are on his side, we will never be conquered. We see it throughout the word of God. In the psalmist, uh, Psalm chapter 46, verse 7, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We see the principle found throughout the word of God. Remember when the Israelites were running, leaving uh, Egypt, and the Egyptian army was after them, and they were afraid of what's going to happen to them as they see Pharaoh's army coming to them. And God tells them in Exodus chapter 14, he said, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you will see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That is the principle of Jehovah Saba. He's the Lord of hosts. He's our warrior. Now, don't miss something. Our Lord will fight our battles, but he wants us to be the portal to be used. God will fight our battles, but he wants us to stand in the battlefield to be used of him. This is where a lot of Christians miss the story. Oh, they want to stay where it's safe. They want to pray that, God, you fight my battles, I'll be back here. But you don't see that in Scripture. Oh, they want the Lord to win the world, but God wants us to go out and witness and God work through us. Oh, they want God to provide the funds, but God wants us to give and work through us. They want God to remove our giants, but God wants us to stand firm in front of our giants and work through us. And we find this principle throughout the Word of God, but especially here in this chapter. And I submit to you, this is probably the most famous chapter in the Bible. Because even those who know nothing about the Bible, they've heard the story of David and Goliath. It's the story of David. Earlier, when he was a a younger boy, he was anointed king of Israel by the prophet Samuel. Now, there was a problem. King Saul was still the king. So David went back to tending the sheep. Listen, sometimes God will give you an assignment, and then you have to wait on his timetable. David was anointed the king at one time, but he had to wait until that time came to be. And so David is tending the sheep. Now his brothers went on to be going in the army. And his, so, his brothers are in the army, and they are going to go fight the Philistines. The Philistines are the bad guys. There are a group of people still living in the land of Cana that Israelites didn't drive away even though God told them to. At this time period, they were the strongest, most technological advanced people of this time period. They were the first civilization to work with metal. And because of that, they had superior weapons. I mean, the Israelites had, had wood and, and rocks. And if you go back and read the story, you'll see many times they had to steal the weapons from their enemies to have weapons. And so here's the Israelites, they're fighting the the Philistines. And the Israelites on one hill, and and the Philistines on one hill, and then one day, according to chapter 17, verse 4, a soldier appeared named Goliath. He was a giant. And he came down, he challenged anybody to fight him. I I fight any of you, mano a mano, winner take all. I mean, this is a biblical thunderdome. One man enters, one man leaves. Okay, let's just fight. We, we don't have to all die. Just 
Bring me your best. Now, King Saul should have been the one to answer the challenge. Because if you go back and read Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 20, when the people wanted a king, they said, we want a king to go out before us and fight our battles. That's what they said. King Saul said, no, I don't think so. Not only that, King Saul was taller than everyone else. The Bible says, again, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, he was a head taller than everybody else. So you're taller than all of us, so you fight Goliath. He said, I don't don't think so. Because in verse 11, it says he was dismayed. He was scared. And every day, here comes Goliath. He's making a challenge. And and so David comes. He brings some food for his brothers, and he hears the challenge. And David looks around. I'll do it. It's an amazing story. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. Number one, we all face giants in our walk with God. We all face giants in our walk with God. You see, they keep calling Goliath the champion. Now, that word is very important to the story because a champion, the word champion in Hebrew means one who stands in the way. You see, here's there's the light on one mountain. Here are the Philistines on another mountain. There is Goliath standing in the way. You're not going to get to the Philistines unless you go through Goliath. That's what a champion is. They stand in the way. That's what a giant is. They stand in the way. They are keeping you from being or doing what God wants you to do. Every one of us have a giant. Something that's standing between you and God's will. Whatever God has given you as an assignment, there's going to be a giant there. It may be physical, it may be financial, it may be social, it may be psychological, it may be spiritual. I don't know. But there will be a giant trying to keep you from that walk with God. And you better conquer those giants because if you don't conquer the giants, they will conquer you. Go back and read this chapter. You notice something very interesting. In verse 8, it says, Goliath was coming down. So you got this valley, Valley Elah. Here comes Goliath. He's coming down. I think in verse 25, the soldiers are saying, Goliath is coming up. You know what they're saying? Every day, Goliath is coming down, and now he's going up. Every day, he's getting closer and closer and closer and closer. If you don't conquer the giants, they will conquer you. When God gives to us an assignment and we do nothing, we will lose the assignment and probably more than that. Secondly, all our, when we all face giants which look undefeatable. Whenever you face a giant, you're going to think, I can't do this. I can't win. I can't overcome this. I mean, look, look at Goliath. You look at Goliath, and you're thinking there's no way anyone can beat Goliath. One, because of his size. Verse 4 gives us his dimension, and and, and basically he's over nine feet tall. Could be taller. It depends on on what a cubit is. I mean, he's taller than any NBA player that ever played. He's taller than the most famous giant, Andre the Giant. Andre was only uh, 7'4". This is a giant, his size, but also his strength. We know he is strong because it tells us about his armor. It gives us an indication. And again, I understand that it says shekel, and we don't know if it's a Babylonian shekel or Syrian shekel. Okay, it's heavy, okay? I mean, his coat of armor is anywhere from, you know, 
90 pounds at the least, but probably 220 pounds. His spear shaft was two inches thick. The head of his spear was between 10 to 25 pounds. That, that's the side of a shot put. Not only that, he's wearing all this other armor. He, he's wearing the bronze helmet, the bronze greaves, which are shin guards. He has a shield, a javelin, a sword. This man is carrying all this on him. I mean, not only that, he had an assistant ahead of him. And you go back and look at everything that he's carrying, we kind of miss this. This is the best of the best of the best of that day. This is a, a technological marvel. This is the best equipment money could buy in this time period. And David had a sling. So he had size, he had strength, he also had strategy. I mean, Saul says to David, David, you're, you're, you're a youth, but he's been a warrior since a youth. He has experience. He knows all the techniques to win a fight. He knows all the strategies, David. You cannot beat him. None of that, he had self-esteem. I mean, Goliath believed in himself. Listen, if you challenge the entire army, you have self-confidence, okay? He said, I can beat anybody. No one can beat me. He's challenging them all. Do you know who this sounds like? The world. Isn't that what the world does? The world says, if I, as long as I have the latest technology, as long as, I, no, as long as I'm strong, as long as I have a good strategy, as long as I believe in myself, I can win all my battles. And Goliath is a picture of the world. And not only that, everything the world admires. I mean, if we're honest, when we look at the story, we want to imitate Goliath. I mean, we want strength. We want self-confidence. We want people to be scared of us. But God doesn't want us to be a Goliath. He wants to be like David, someone who trusts God. In fact, when Goliath saw David, did you notice what he said? He said, you're coming to me with sticks? How dare you? This is your chance. This is an insult. You're bringing this out? And this is the giant David fought. A giant standing in a way, a giant who's intimidated, a giant that constantly ridicules you, a giant that you really can't think, how can I beat And every one of us have giants standing in the way. Your giant may be a sinful practice you can't get rid of. Your giant may be a feeling of inadequacy or inferiority. Your your talent uh, may be some physical, emotional, or circumstantial handicap. Maybe your, your, uh, your giant is financial. Maybe your giant is you worry to the point you're paralyzed. I, I don't know what your giant is, but you have a giant problem You try to defeat it by the world's strategy, you won't be able to. You need Jehovah Saba. And when you trust in him, you can beat your giants. This morning, I want to look at three things. I want to look at when God is our Jehovah Saba, what that means. When God is our Jehovah Saba, what does that mean? Oh, number one. When God is our Jehovah Saba, we see what the world doesn't see. We see what the world doesn't see. In our text, did you notice how everyone was treating David? 
before he fought? I mean, we find his brother, his brother's giving him criticism. In fact, his brother's insulting him. His brother actually says, basically, David, why did you go back home and take care of those handful of sheep? In other words, David, you're not even worthy to have a whole flock. You just have a few sheep back home. I know why you're here. You're here in order to, to see the action. He's insulting David because he's saying, David, you can't beat the, this battle. You can't fight this giant. The soldiers, in verse 30, they laughed at David. They're looking at David and saying, you, you want to fight him? Oh, it can't be done. There's no way David can fight this giant. His brother said there's no way you can fight this giant. The soldier says there's no way you can fight the giant. Verse 33, King Saul, not trying to be critical of David, looks at David and really looks at him very carefully and says, logically, David, it can't be done. There's no way. Because all those people are looking at Goliath differently than David looks. All of them are looking at Goliath with different eyes. They missed something that David saw. They looked and saw a giant who could not be defeated, but David saw something else. Look what he says in verse 26. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? David saw something that they didn't see. David had a different perspective that's different. You see, perspective is, is never just what you see. Perspective is how you view what you see. The Israelites looked at Goliath, and they saw a giant. They looked at his strength. They looked at his armor. They looked at his size. That's all they saw. David looked at Goliath, and what he saw was a person not circumcised. You say, what does that mean? In this time period, to be circumcised in David's day meant that God was your God. You had a covenant relationship with God. In this time period, if you were not circumcised, what it meant was that Goliath had no connection to God. He had no covenant relationship with God. To say that he was uncircumcised, David is saying God's power is not upon him. God is not with him. Oh, he has size and strength and skill and experience by the world standard, but he doesn't have God. And the Israelites were filled with all this fear, reasoning about the, the worldly stuff. And here's David. He sees something the world doesn't see. He says, I see the battle is with God. Many times we start looking at our giants, and we take the God factor out, and they're too big. I can't overcome this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't see how this is going to be done. Because you're looking at it through the world's eyes. But when Jehovah Saba is your God, now you have a different perspective. And you'll see something the world doesn't see. You'll see God in action. That's what's happening here. Instead of seeing a giant, you'll see someone who God is not going to protect. We cannot allow the size of our problem to eclipse the size of our God. Tony Evans says this quote. I love this quote. He says, sometimes God will allow you to experience a bigger-than-life Goliath so that you will experience a bigger-than-Goliath God. 
But you will never get to experience a bigger than Goliath God if your eyes are focused on the bigger than life Goliath. When Jehovah Saba is our God, we see things differently. We see things through God's perspective. And that's what David did. God can beat him. Number two, when Jehovah Saba, when God is our Jehovah Saba, we remember what the world has forgotten. We remember what the world's forgotten. You see, the whole world is frightened of Goliath. All the Israelites are frightened of Goliath. Saul is frightened of Goliath. But do you remember what David said to King Saul? David said to King Saul back in, in verse 34, 37, he said, you know, I fought a lion, I fought a bear, and God delivered me. And because God delivered me then, he will deliver me now. He's saying to Saul, Saul, it's not about me, it's about God. God has given me victories in the past, and because he's given me victory in the past, he will deliver me in the future. Because the Lord delivered me in the past, the Lord will deliver me in the future. That's what David believed. He had not forgotten You see, the soldiers had forgotten. They'd forgotten everything God had ever done for them. Saul had forgotten everything God had ever done for them. David is remembering everything God has done for him. Like the people leaving Egypt, the Israelites, they forgot all the power of God and constantly complained. Or the disciples in the boat when the storm came up, they forgot the power of Jesus. But when we serve Jehovah Saba, our warrior, we will remember all the battles we fought in the past that he won. And every past battle prepares us for the next battle, and the next battle will always be a greater battle. Whatever battle you're going through this morning is preparing you for a greater battle in the future. And when you conquer this battle through the power of God, you will know that you can fight that battle in the power of God. Third, when God is our Jehovah Saba, we trust what the world doesn't trust. We trust what the world doesn't trust. Throughout the story, people kept trusting in their power, their ability, their might, and their strategy. David trusted in God. See, the world doesn't trust in the power of God. The world trusts in strength, strategy, talent, and technology. But when God is our Jehovah Saba, we trust in God. David knew God was going to win the battle. Back at verse 43, David is being cursed by Goliath. He said, you come to me with sticks. That's an insult to Goliath. He wanted to fight a big person. But I love what David says in verse 45. He's looking at Goliath. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. In other words, you come to me with all your technology. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. He said, you come to me with all your technology. I come in the name of God. And by the way, you go back and read this chapter. David keeps talking about he's insulting the armies of Israel. What armies? There's only one army. No. He's saying to Goliath, you're insulting this army, but you're also insulting the angelic army. Goliath, this is not between me and you. This is not even between Israel and the Philistines. This is a battle between Jehovah and your God, Dagon. This is between Jehovah and your pride. This is between Jehovah and your ability. And God's going to win. Because I trust in God. You trust in the world. I trust in God. 
How did, God, how did David trust God? Well, he trusted in his presence. Verse 45, he knew God was going to be there. Later on, David would write in the Psalm, chapter 91, verse 1, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. David knew God was there. He trusted, God, you're going to be here with me. He also trusted in God's power. Again, he knows the power of God. Listen, no giant you'll ever face will have more power than God. Founder of the Salvation Army was General, General William Booth. don't know if you read his story. Years into life, in his life, he was stricken blind. His son, Bramwell, had to tell his dad that he wouldn't recover. And Booth asked his son, he said, are you telling me I, I'm blind? Yeah. Dad, uh, I'm afraid so. Are you telling me I'll never see your face again? No, Dad. Not this side of the, not this, not in this world. And then he said this, Bramwell, I've done what I could for God and for the people with my eyes. Now I should do what I can for God and for the people without my eyes. That is leaning on God. And David harnessed the power of God by trusting in God. And again, don't miss this. He still had to walk in the valley. David didn't stand on the top of the hill and say, hey, God, sick him. David walked in the valley. And by the world standard, he walked alone. You see, there's, there are going to be times you're going to fight your giants. And by the world standard, you're going to be alone. There's not going to be anybody around you. There'll be no one there to comfort you. There'll be no one there to cheer you on. There'll be no one to encourage you. But you are not alone. God is with you. Jehovah Saba, your warrior, the Lord of hosts, is with you. You see, David couldn't lose this battle because David was going to be the king. And through David lineage, another shepherd's going to come. And this story really foreshadows that other shepherd who went to the valley to face another giant, the giant of sin and death. Our shepherd, our Lord Jesus, came here to fight the champion, sin. And Jesus won on a cross 2,000 years ago. He defeated sin and Satan and death. And this morning, some of you here and some of you online, your greatest giant is the sin in your life because you can't get rid of it by yourself. And the only thing you can do is give your life to Christ by admitting that you're a sinner, saying, Lord, I believe that Jesus died for me and I give him everything. I confess everything to him. Will you do that this morning? If you're watching online, just text the word today at 270-398-5005 and a minister will give you a call and talk to you about your decision. For those of you who are here in a few moments as we begin singing, just come to the front, talk to me or one of the ministers. Because that might be your greatest giant today, a sin, the sin of your life, and you have not dealt with it. And the only way you can deal with it is through the power of Jehovah Saba, who sent his son to die on a cross for your sins. Will you give your life to him? Would you stand and bow your heads? Heavenly Father, 
So many times we hear the story of David and Goliath. And Father, it's more than a story of conquering our giants. Father, it means more than that. It's the story of the Messiah. Laying the foundation. Father, we are thankful that our Lord Jesus, our great shepherd, he came to this planet, lived that sinless life, went to that cross, and defeated the giant of sin. And he is the warrior, the victor. Father, today there are people here in person and online who's never given their life to Christ. And Father, their giant will conquer them all the time. Let today be that day when they submit to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.